Oh, hey, girl. It's Tess Rouse and Christina Beattie. We're the co-hosts and creators of Authentically Wild. A podcast that may literally transform your understanding about life, relationships, and your healing journey. So get ready, girl. Shit's about to get wild. So if you don't know what codependency is, then girl, you better listen to this one. On today's episode, we're talking about what codependency is, and believe me, your perception of it might be changed after listening. How we become codependent, the codependent patterns Christina and I have both identified in ourselves, and we're really going to dive deep into how this holds us back and what it creates in our lives and relationships. This has been a game changer realization for both of us, and we think it will be for you too. So buckle up. Hey girl, hey. Oh, hello. <laughs> it's a full Ooh, moon. Gonna... There's lots of energy. <laughs> lots of energy. Lots coming to the surface. Even just like preparing for this podcast, I felt very fired up. Like <sighs> it is just a whole topic and there are so many like rabbit holes you can go down with it. It's so big and, and it's almost triggering in a way. <laughs> Pre-warning <Yeah>. for everyone. <laughs> yes. You might just get triggered in this, you know, and once you start to really learn, well, first of all, learning about codependency is one thing. And then you start to apply it to your life and realize for me, at least it was eye-opening to just see how steeped into so many of my relationships, these habits and behaviors were for me. Yeah. And it is, I'm going to say as well, that I am still constantly learning and continually in integrating all of this when it comes to codependency. It is, I like to call it a journey of integration. <laughs> <laughs> a never ending journey. A never ending journey. It never ends. And that's just the thing too. I think codependency or whatever sort of mechanism or behavioral response you've picked up from your life experience, childhood, it's really about not necessarily changing something, but unbecoming like, you know what I mean? Like unlearning it, mm -hmm. right? Because we're not born being codependent. We learn it. So really the process is unlearning it. Uh, and that's yes. really hard, especially if you've had 30 plus years of creating a habit out of it. Yeah. You know, on top of that piece is something that I use actually a lot with clients and stuff is when we're, when we're trying to create a different pattern or a different behavior, it's like thinking about going down a new path. But if you've gone down the same path, your whole life, it's going to be familiar, even if it's not comfortable sometimes. And so it's like having compassion with yourself that you're not always going to go down that new path. Like you said, it's a process of unlearning that mm -hmm. path. Mm -hmm. And we're not really taught how to do that. We're taught how to no. learn new patterns, not unlearn them. So yes, exactly. Tread with caution and then some grace, I guess. Yes, grace. That's a good one. <laughs> so maybe for our listeners, you know, some people might think that they know what codependency is. And I would actually say codependency is a really tough one because there's multiple definitions out there. Mm -hmm. And it also shows up in a few different ways, depending again on your life experience and, and your upbringing throughout childhood. Uh, so, you know, maybe I can even just kind of start us off with some of the, the ways I've sort of summarized it in my head. There's a lot of mislabeling that happens, or I shouldn't say mislabeling, but sort of people get labeled as people pleasers, empaths, doers, which I'd say like majority of, of those things are really just behavioral responses because of codependency. So, you know, like digging below what, what's a people pleaser, you're a doer, you're always doing things for others, et cetera. The root of that is because you've created this codependent relationship or codependent mechanism, like survival mechanism for yourself. I had a really good definition that I like, which is it's 
simply put, it's a state of being of overly invested in the decisions, feelings, and outcomes of someone else. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. And and just to add to that, you know, some of the different pieces that came up for me when I was, you know, thinking, how would I define this? Or how does this come up for me? An imbalance of energy, the need to be needed, one person delving worth from the role they play in fixing, helping, changing, or saving another person. And for me, on a deeper level, it's about control. This is what I began to dig into, right? When I really started to understand codependency within myself and this need within me to want to help fix, change, save everybody, it was about feeling more in control, not only within myself, but in the chaos that surrounds me. It's like, if I can do all of this for another person, I can feel in control of their experience and what they're going through. And that makes me feel safer or more secure. It's really interesting digging into that piece. I love that that point because when you're heavily codependent, you actually can't handle the chaos of others mm-hmm. because I think, you know, it reminds you probably of the own chaos that you have felt probably throughout your whole life. And so exactly you go to fixing it, that creates that sense of control. And also I think it distracts you from having to turn inward and fix your own issues, right? That's why you're showing up in that way, which was a big learning curve that I, I feel like I opened a book and I was like, no, we're going to close that. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, And it's only been in the last couple of months that I've really begun to understand that. I I think I had a misperception that codependency meant, you know, someone who relies on others for their sort of everyday basic needs, whether that's like to feed them, to give them emotional support. Um, You know, it could be literally an addict that is, is depending on someone to like clothe, nourish them, et cetera. But then when I really started digging into it, it's like, no, actually also, if you're over controlling, fixing others all the time, that in Mm -hmm. itself is you being codependent on people needing you. And I was like, oh, hello. Ding, ding, ding. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I used to think about this all the time because, and this is where I think sometimes the definitions can skew our understanding because people would bring up codependency and I always connected it to the people pleasing and stuff. And I was like, I'm not a people like I don't I don't resonate with the people pleasing part. But then as I started to dig into it, I was like, but I actually resonate with feeling like I want to fix, save, change, help others. And I and I look and, you know, this is what we'll dive into in terms of how it shows up for us. But I look at my (laughs) job as a teacher, (laughs) job as a mother. Job as a coach. It's like, okay, Christina, I see a pattern here. So it's just, it's really interesting becoming aware of that. And I think, you know, it's not about never doing anything for others or helping others or wanting to make other people happy. It's it's where is that sort of motivation coming from? Is it mm-hmm. your own need to feel validated, wanted, and loved? Because that's obviously when it's a toxic pattern, as opposed to like, no, I just really care for them and cherish them and they reciprocate. You know what I mean? So there's definitely yeah. a balance. So it's not like we're saying, oh yeah, never do anything for anyone else or else, you know, you're codependent. It's when it's obviously kind of the extreme of that and also the motivation attached to why you're doing it. Yeah. I, and that why piece, we'll look at that a little bit and you know, the boundaries around that, but really understanding why we're doing it. I think what I'm really starting to learn about the healing journey and, and just growth and expansion is if you can be curious about any of these pieces, that's the most important part. It's just about becoming curious about why we're doing the things we're doing if we want to change them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I wanted to give one example before we jump onto the next piece on sort of like where does it come from and, and how do we become codependent? I think a lot about sort of people pleasing, you know, really the issue of that is not that you're meeting other people's needs, it's that you're sacrificing your own 
right? Mm -hmm. And all the research I've done, it it can create a lot of issues for you in relationship. You can become very resentful. You can feel very depleted, unseen, unloved, which is actually the opposite of why you're intending to do that in the first place. And something I thought about, which I, I hear lots of women talk about is sort of like an intimate relationship. Women are notoriously known, I think, for sort of acting during intimacy, right? But you go along with it. Uh, You fake it in the moment because you can see they're enjoying it, right? So you Mm -hmm. feel like shame or guilt for one taking that away from them or shame or guilt for maybe feeling insecure that you're not finding the same pleasure in that. And so you don't actually say anything. And then you can see this vicious cycle begin to repeat itself. And and one thing I want to point out here, and, and we could use this in many examples, it could be as easy as your friend loving sushi and you always end up going to sushi, but you actually hate sushi. Uh, But what happens is we create this pattern then and that other person in the relationship is now accustomed to this. And they think that that is something you like. And then when you get so far into it, you literally, it's so hard then to break that cycle. So I think one piece about codependency is really when you're filling the needs of others and self-sacrificing your own, it will only lead you to like resentment and feeling unfulfilled. And by then you'll feel so handcuffed and trapped in that, that it's, it's even harder to break it then. Yeah. Yeah. And the other piece that came through when you were saying that was not even think like, like aside from yes, thinking about somebody else's needs, but maybe there is also on a deeper level a fear of speaking your truth hundred percent or a fear of speaking like what, what you need for yourself in that moment. And I mean, that could be a whole other rabbit hole. You would go down for yourself to figure out where that comes from, mm-hmm. but so many different reasons why this comes up, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyways, a little taboo topic, but an yeah. example I wanted to give for sure. I like it. I feel like a lot of people can resonate with that one, especially women. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I tell you, when I started looking into some of this stuff, it's all about your childhood. I'm not kidding you. I know we sound like broken records, but honestly, like there's lots of sort of experts in the field that will say most of your conditioning and patterns stem from when you're like zero years old. So literally a baby to like maybe 14, pretty much Mm -hmm. all the ways you're showing up were, were learned and conditioned in those 14 years of your life. If there's something that's holding you back, blocks, et cetera, programming, you need to go back to the, that stage of your life to see like, where did it come from? Why did I learn that? And also remember that as a child, maybe that was a survival mechanism or something that created safety for you. And now it's not that you need to be fixed. It's that as an adult, you no longer need to rely on those because you are the authority of your own life. You can create safety in healthy ways. Whereas a child, those may have been your only mechanisms and ways of control to do that. And I love that we're talking about this because you and I, I think it resonates in different ways or it manifests in different ways. Um, but for me, a big, a big piece of the codependency was the safety and security piece, you know, and, and I've touched on it a little bit um, without actually going into details. I mean, at some point I might be ready to talk about it, but for sure, I had some trauma in my childhood or when I was younger. And there were moments where I didn't necessarily feel safe and secure within myself. And I then began to look outside of myself for that safety and security. And how would I do that? I would do that in my relationships with other people and through their experiences and essentially projecting that onto whatever it is that they were experiencing, you know? Um, And 
yeah, it, it was just kind of interesting as I began to look back on all of this. And actually, you and I talked a little bit about this in terms of a, a podcast episode we listened to um, with Mark Groves and Terry Cole, but they mentioned this piece around high achieving codependent people, right? And that actually there are a lot of pieces that show up a bit differently in a high achieving codependent person. Like it looks like they got it all together. Like they got everything is tickety boo. Everything is good. Everything is great. And this really was me for a long time through my teaching career, once I became a mom and then things kind of actually fell apart on me. Um, but as I began to actually look at this, like I had this pattern um, that I'm pretty sure, you know, if I trail it back to those early years of trauma and then also experiencing my parents' separation, seeing my dad and my mom go through their own very painful experiences at that time, this was my first conscious recollection of taking someone else's experience and making it more important than my own. Right. Mm -hmm. And like seeing them in their pain and um, putting my experience to the side or not being shown how to hold space for both. That's actually interesting, you know? And, and then from there it became this journey of me digging into all these helper roles. Like I remember even in high school, I was a peer mediator, which is funny because if you think about who I was in high school, anyone who's listening <laughs> was a bit opposite than how I was sometimes, but <laughs> I started to take on these helper roles. I became a teacher and then I became obviously a mom and now I'm a coach and I'm very much aware now that my, my profession as a coach is that I'm not there to save my clients or carry their experiences for them. I'm there to help them and support them on their journeys you know, but this was a really big mindset shift. It, mm -hmm. it was really, and I want to say hard to break it. I don't know if I, I don't know if we ever do necessarily break these things. I think they're sometimes part of us, but it's about having that awareness and supporting ourselves when we notice it showing up. But for me, yeah, that that's how it started to show up for me. And then through my own healing, I really began to just create my own patterns um, and new behaviors. And we'll talk about that later. But another piece also was through my experience with Max, right? And, and he has had his own challenges. And this was actually something I realized more recently was that I just wanted to take away all of his pain. And I think as moms, we probably resonate. I'm sure fathers do as well. But I really wanted to take away his pain. Like I really wanted to carry that for him. Mm -hmm. And I still do sometimes. And it's taken me a lot of building of awareness to see when this is showing up, seeing that the guilt that I carry also is a way for me to feel more in control and, and, and really uh, have those codependent behaviors be alive and well, you know? Um, but yeah, it's just so interesting. And, and I can even say too, that looking at the way my mom is, I definitely picked up so many of those codependent patterns from her because she was always the person that just did everything for everyone. There wasn't a lot of boundaries. Her needs never came first. She wanted to carry our pain. And so I see it completely. It's exactly where I picked it up from. And again, love you, mom. If you're listening, you, you are amazing, but that's where, that's where we learn it. We learn, we learn these things from our parents. And then, you know, with awareness, we get to, we get to change what maybe they didn't have the awareness that they got to change, you know? 
Mm-hmm. It's interesting you say that. I've, I've heard it described that as a child, if you see your parents' needs from the top not being met, you will, I think they call it, well, not adulting, but we'll call it adulting. You literally sort of intrinsically become an adult to them. So now you want to fill those voids you can see in them. So children are so aware, right? We don't realize. So someone like your mom, who's not feeling her needs, you all of a sudden feel the need to emotionally feel her love tank or all of those things. And you become the parent, even if it's sort of subconsciously, you begin to sort of take on that role in the small ways that you can. And then it becomes this learned behavior. And then in your adulthood, you become the caretaker, the teacher, all of those things. Right. And I think the other piece I wanted to point out as well, you know, even though you're still following you know, you're a teacher, obviously you're a mom for lots of reasons, but, and now a coach and maybe your motivations for that at some point were like to fix and to help and to guide. Mm -hmm. It's almost like your motivations have switched and you realize now, again, it's not your burden to carry, but you're using those skills, those innate skills that you do have in a really positive way. Also seeing that this pattern showed up in my relationships that I was always, it's so interesting. As I started to dig into my healing, I was like, Oh my gosh, this is amazing. Hard, but amazing. Like I'm feeling all these ways. Everybody needs to do this. And I remember I went on a bit of a, I had a bit of a time there where I was like, you know, talking to all my family, my friends and like this, everybody should be doing this. This is amazing. And I couldn't understand why. And then I, now I can see like, okay, take a step back, Christina, like their journey is not your journey. And what they're here to do maybe doesn't look the same as what you're here to do. And that was, it's been really eye opening and so incredibly freeing to release that because mm-hmm. it doesn't mean that we stop loving these people any less or they're not, they, it doesn't mean they have to not be in our lives or you still can be worthy and have love and not have to fix and save and heal all the people in your life. If you resonate with that, I want to just say that. Um, hundred percent. Yeah. So interesting. It is. Well, really, you know, codependency is an adaptive response because as kids, we learn very quickly. Again, kids are so aware more than I think we know uh, that, you know, to avoid someone being mean to us, to avoid someone being mad at us, being abused, which is something that I went through in my childhood, being left out or isolated from a group, maybe in, you know, elementary school, we learn very quickly that if we attune to people's needs and feelings, in return, it allows us to avoid getting hurt, disliked, et cetera. Mm. And that is a safety mechanism. That's very, that's learned very, very quickly, uh, especially if you're in like a high stress or high emotional situation, right? Where maybe at home, you don't have parents that are attuning to like how you're feeling. So you begin to learn how you can cope and how you can navigate through your experience without feeling those negative things. And that's one way to do it tuning into other people's feelings, needs, and wants, and you'll sail quite smoothly through it. It's once we become adults that then we realize how damaging it is to ourselves, right? Well, yeah, it's like, no wonder we get into, I'm just going to use an example. We get into our thirties and I know a lot of women who get into their thirties. They have, they have a family, they have the kids, they get into their thirties and they're like, so freaking exhausted and disconnected. And it's like, how, how did I get here? Mm-hmm. Well, when we trail back and look at this pattern that we all do, and I remember listening to a podcast with Mark Groves again, he's so good. Okay. If you want to learn about codependency, he's great for that kind of stuff. So is Terry Cole as well. And he said, 90% of people 
are codependent. I, I'd be willing to say a hundred. <laughs> it's like, no wonder we all get to this point and we're exhausted and disconnected and resentful, right? Mm-hmm. That was another piece is like, if you feel resent in your relationships, that's a real good indicator that there needs to be, or that it, there probably is some codependency that's alive and well there, and maybe some boundaries that need to be put into place, but absolutely you know, we'll, we'll get to that piece, but Yeah. And I think codependency, it's really like a scale, right? So you can be like highly functioning codependent, but there's still a little bit of it there. It's more Mm -hmm. when it really begins to show up and sort of dictate your life. I Mm -hmm. think that it, it becomes sort of an area you should look at and then see how it's showing up for you. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, you bring up a lot of points that sort of uh, make me want to talk about sort of how it's shown up for me. Uh, Mark Groves actually in one of his episodes on codependency talks a lot about how we become these isolated islands, like when we're super codependent. And this is how, like, at least for myself, it's shown up uh, where, you know, really no one can access us. And I'd, I'd probably add that we actually don't have full access to ourselves because our focus is not on our needs, our wants, our priorities, any of that. Instead, we're constantly accessing other people on their own islands and making sure no one can come over to ours, uh, including ourselves. And so for me, you know, due to my upbringing with my mom, especially where, you know, there was abuse, but also I played a very predominant parent role like to her where I was always reading her emotions and responding to them I really never got to learn who I was so you know because my needs basically became everyone else's needs so I came into adulthood almost having this identity crisis like what do I actually want what actually makes me happy what are my boundaries what do I like and not like because for years I just thought I was really empathic like walking into a room and reading everyone else's feelings and emotions it was because I couldn't actually know how I was feeling or what I wanted because I was always dependent on how's everyone else doing? How's everyone? And that was really just like that, again, a safety mechanism for me growing up. And I didn't realize I was bringing it into my relationships as an adult, but I a hundred percent was. The other piece for me that it shows up similar to you is that high achiever with codependency, but a slight different motivation, I would say. Uh, For me, it comes from like fear of rejection. And again, I think because of my relationship with my mom, feeling very like abandoned, and we can talk about abandonment, I'm sure in a whole nother episode, but uh, that feeling of of rejection. So as a high achiever, when I'm acknowledged, it's always for positive things, right? Uh, Instead of like my childhood where it was always negative things. You're not enough. You're not doing this right. You're bad. You're this, you're that. You've pissed me off. So now in my adulthood, I found that's what I'm known for. I'm, I'm the perfect one. I'm the perfect friend. I have it all together. I have a very successful career. I party plan. I organize. I can give advice to anyone about anything because I'm a high achiever. I have to be perfect in all those ways because I'm praised for all the good things. Sort of like that opposite response of sort of how, how I was raised. You know, I, I read this thing once that's like people who are super high codependents that are high achievers as well, they, they literally can become so good in certain areas of their life. Work for me is that where I don't even think about getting rejected because I would rather die than fail. Like it will just never happen. And everyone that works with me knows that. Who do they go to get stuff done? Me. But it does it does it mean that I was born because I'm just like so ambitious and I, I love just stressing over my job and working crazy hours? No, 
it's to avoid the fear of being rejected. Right. So again, there's that toxic like root there. It's not because I'm super ambitious and I, like, I love my work, but that's not the root of it. Right. And that's why the motivation is wrong there. Yeah. And, and what I hear you saying there too, is this, again, this, this deep rooted need to feel in control. Oh, hundred percent. Control is like always, right. I think there yeah. a lot of things, right? I think, I feel like it's like the number one thing for humans is like, it's, <laughs> it's, it is probably, you know, just from the work that I've done and experienced with clients and all of that good stuff. I feel like control is mm-hmm. probably one of our deepest needs. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think like the distraction of high achievement is actually a distraction from stillness, which could oh, yeah. also be control. Right. So if, if we are just always driving the ship, we are always in control. Once we're still, once we allow feelings, thoughts to sort of creep up and emerge, that's when all hell breaks loose. Yeah. Right. Well, like, and, and, and I think about this one too, because this is where, when we are still, there's uncertainty there, right? When mm-hmm. we are still, when we're in doing mode, there's structure there. There's the box, there's the boundaries. We know what to expect. We see it when we stop and slow down and we're still, and we go into some of those like feelings and emotions, there's gray area, there's uncertainty there, there's risk. That's not safe to our ego. And it's like, yeah, back in that box and keep doing, because we know what happens there. (laughs) Yeah. And really to round this out for me, like those two pieces of not actually knowing who I am. And then this Mm -hmm. high achievement piece it's sort of these two juxtaposing identities, right? And when you go through life where everyone's saying, well, you're the perfect one and you're the high achiever, you're the most successful one of everyone. It's like this narrative's been created for me and it's I almost have imposter syndrome. Like, no, I'm actually not that, like, I know I am, but I don't actually want to do those things. I did it out of, you know, feet like fear, which, yeah. which isn't good, right? And I, I think it's just really interesting because- if we give up the high achievement piece, it means that, you know, we're really forced to look at our childhood and heal through that. And that actually is just opening us up to how unworthy we felt, which is the complete opposite of what a high achiever wants Mm -hmm. to exude and be. And so you're literally, I guess, disassembling this narrative. You've lived your entire life being quite successful at navigating through the woes of whatever, right? So yeah, it's just really, really interesting to, to see how it shows up for each person. So different. Yeah, it's it, hearing you talk about all of this, I really resonate. And it's making me think so much about my own healing journey because I was such a high achiever. I was a control freak for so long. And then I went through the healing piece. And I think people had a hard time understanding, like, how do you just change like that? Like, how do you just become a completely different person? And listening to you, I'm really reflecting on that piece of, I really dismantled all of these kind of trauma responses that were in me Mm -hmm. and unlearning the unlearning. And I dug into my healing and I created this new foundation, one that was authentic and aligned and grounded and rooted and still. And I didn't need these other pieces of like, you know, and don't get me wrong. Like I still have moments where I like to achieve (laughs) and all that stuff, but I'm a lot more aware of it. You know, it's Mm -hmm. just so interesting when we dig into this work, what we find, the expansion we get to experience, just all of that good stuff. When we think about, now we've talked about how this shows up for us. 
I'm sure people probably want to, you know, are sitting here saying, okay, I see this. <laughs> ding, it's in ding, me. Ding, it's ding. showing up. <laughs> so what do I do here? <laughs> I want to first say that one thing I'm really learning about this journey with codependency is that just like the journey with anything, it's what I have learned is that it's never the absence of the thing. Like it's ne- we never get to this point where like I'm healed. That's when I'm learning. Um, but it's actually the continual consistent practice of seeing when it shows up and supporting ourselves in it, because we can't expect ourselves to never do these things, but rather it's focusing on, okay, but how can I support myself and show up for myself in the moment when it is showing up? you know, just becoming aware of it is, is really the first step because, you know, in relationships, are you doing it? What situations are you jumping to asking yourself, like, what does so-and-so want or how are they feeling? Like just even identifying which areas of your life you're finding those codependent sort of tendencies coming up in. I think that's a really good first step, right? We can't really heal or work through anything if we're really not aware of it. And I will be the first person to say, I had no idea what codependency was or that it literally screamed my name. So mm-hmm. yeah, a hundred percent. And, and in those moments that you can be aware, what I have found to be really helpful is refocusing my energy. Mm. Um, and seeing, okay, I'm really projecting all my energy into this person or this situation or that their journey or whatever it is. I need to feel like I have to change, fix, save in this situation. It's almost like I imagine taking my energy back and coming into my body. And I always like to ask myself, why, why am I doing this? That's always, you know, it's like you said earlier in the, in the episode is, get curious with it. Why am I doing this? Trying to see where it comes from and what do I need? Because often we really need something in that moment that we didn't give ourselves much earlier in our lives or somebody else didn't help give ourselves much earlier in our lives. Safety, security, love, compassion, support, whatever that looks like. But yeah, really about like taking that energy back, coming back into yourself, figuring out why, what's truly going on here and what do you need And then it's just consistency of creating that new pattern. When we disengage so much from our needs and feeling into ourselves, what's coming up for us, I think what really happens is that we prevent us getting to know ourselves. And then in relationship, if we don't know who we are and we are not even verbalizing or vocalizing that, the people in our lives can never truly know us. And I think you mentioned earlier as well that we come into our thirties and we've checked all the boxes and we're like, I still feel so alone. And there's this huge void in my life. And I have no idea why it's because like, well, have you really actually let anybody in or have you been so highly codependent that you've put up this wall completely? Because if people don't really know you and can't really see you for what you truly are, like, you know, your needs, wants, priorities, they can't actually fully love you either. A hundred percent. But then how do they love you if you don't even know who you are? Exactly. And I think that's the part that we miss though. We go right to, you're not loving me in the way I want you yeah. to. You're not doing the things for me in the way, but have you ever checked yourself in the mirror and said, am I being fully honest with myself? Do I even know? And have I even, again, going back to that taboo example I gave, have I actually vocalized that? I bet mm. you more often than not, you haven't. I bet you, you've mm. suppressed really what you wanted to say, where you wanted to go to eat because you didn't want to rock the boat, right? Because of your codependent patterns. 
Yeah. And, and it's pretty wild when you do start to sit with this. And, and I mean, you and I have talked about this lots with our journeys. Like when you get to this point and you're like, who the hell am I? Cause I don't know, but I've lived, you know, a third of my life thinking I know who I am. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just really being honest with yourself and starting to build a relationship there, you know, and the other piece that kind of came through too, is I find the more I dig into all of this stuff, there's, it's like a spectrum for everything. It's like that, you know, I think of a teeter totter sometimes as well. Mm-hmm. And we're really trying to focus on creating the secure attachment within ourselves often. And this is my theory. I feel like people who are codependent are also anxious attachment because it's that outward projection of energy onto other people. What do they need? What's going on with them? How do I fix them? How do I save them? Right. And, and so it's about bringing that energy back into you and creating that secure attachment within yourself. So imagine if you can like a teeter totter, right? Where's your, where do you feel your energy going and how can you bring it back? Yeah. hundred percent. And I think, yeah, you've nailed it there. Prioritizing your relationship with yourself first. Right. And, Mm -hmm. and really sinking in and beginning that relationship there because you can't create that security and safety within yourself unless you do that first. Mm -hmm. And it's a really scary place for some people to have to, you know, the stillness we keep talking about the relationship with you. And I think codependency at the root of it is really a lack of Mm self-trust because when you've become so, so dependent on people, you've shut down like your little voice. That's like, Oh, I actually don't like sushi. Oh, I I actually, and you're like, Nope, Nope, not today. Not today. After years and years and years of that, like your intuition almost gets like, it's always there, but your connection to it becomes so severed. And then you don't trust yourself. And, you know, there's codependent people have this tendency to seek outside for validation do you think this is a good decision? Like literally you could become so debilitated that you can't even make decisions for yourself when really you are the only person that should be doing that. Yeah. And, and I would say too, with the self-trust piece is that, I don't know, I'd be willing to bet that a lot of us never even knew, know what self-trust is to begin with, you know? And because when you think about some of the things that we experience when we're younger, if something happens to us, or we experience something and nobody is there to help us hold that space and understand what's going on within us, we automatically either discredit our experience or we don't validate it or we don't sit in it to understand it. And thus begins this cycle of, of detaching from our experience and, and looking outwards to try to make that meaning, to try to create that safety and that security. And from there, it's like, how do you form self-trust at that point? You know what I mean? Absolutely. That's a really good way to describe it as well. I think so often that happens, you think of just even trust when little kids are climbing playground, right? And it's like, okay, maybe it's a parent getting a bit anxious. They could fall and maybe they do. And then they learn, okay, that's, that's a limit for me. Right. But so often as parents, we're like, why did you do that? It's like, are you okay? I can see you're upset. You're hurt like validation. And then what did we learn? Like, right. And I mean, I'm guilty of it too, being in the moment and letting all those emotions take over. But I feel like a lot of us come from childhoods where there was no space given for any of that. Yeah. 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 A hundred percent. So it's like, look at the ways in which you're doing this and see if you can trail it back to where you might have learned it because Mm -hmm. you always learn it somewhere. These patterns always originate from somewhere and getting to the root of that substantially helpful. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We've covered a lot. (laughs) I feel like too, I, I, and I want to just reiterate again for everybody who's listening, like this is not about 
you know, if there's one thing I'm learning, this is not about getting to this place where you're all healed and you're all great and you're all integrated. Like, sure, that would be amazing. But in my experience, we are souls that choose to come down here to have a human experience that the challenges keep coming. (laughs) We, Mm -hmm. but the goal is that we get better at supporting ourselves through it. So this is about, you know, build the awareness, see what's going on within you. Don't expect yourself to just be like healed, but support yourself when it shows up. That's the best you can do for yourself, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I think, yeah, awareness is just so key. You can catch yourself. Oh, wow. I see what I'm doing here. Right. Mm -hmm. And then you can begin to, you know, unlearn that a little bit and shift the scale as to how much maybe that codependency shows up. And I remember when I started this journey, as the codependent high achiever, I am thinking, all right, let's get going here. Where's the top? (laughs) Where's the top? Where's the top of the healing mountain? (laughs) And you've, you very slowly and and softly humbled me to understanding (laughs) there is no top. (laughs) You never get there. So from one person on their journey to everyone else listening, yeah, there is actually no end in this, but hopefully these chats and, and the insights that Christine and I are sharing, hopefully give you some sort of I don't know, peace and calmness to whatever you're experiencing as you're kind of trying to change some of your ways and, and elevate. We're all in this together. You know, no one's got any of this perfect and anyone who says they do, well, maybe they're a high achieving codependent. (laughs) (laughs) Amen. Okay, everyone. Well, thanks for listening. Uh, Good luck to all of you on your journeys. Can't wait to chat next week. See what's in store. Yes. And if any of you are looking to connect with us on social media, you can find Tess on TikTok and Instagram at Her Unearthed. And you can find Christina on TikTok and Instagram at Christina.SoulEmpowered. We're so happy you guys listened and have a great day. Bye, everyone.